I even ruined the movie for Alex because I just went, she's a petite mama. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hi, my name is Oral McNeilis. Welcome to the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen and we watch it and meet to discuss it. My name, well, did I say my name already? Jesus. You did, yeah. We're off to a good oh, start already. <laughs> You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. So this movie was chosen by Orla. It is Petite Maman. an eight-year-old girl has just lost her beloved grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. One day, her mom abruptly leaves and Nellie meets a girl her age as she's building a tree house in the woods. So Orla, why did you pick Petite Maman? So yeah, this is, uh, it's our third Celine Sciamma movie. Um, I was so excited whenever like the poster and the synopsis and everything was uh released for this film um and i got it for uh for christmas and uh, i think me dad and claire watched it um and like i like knew vaguely what the movie was about like sort of like thematically and stuff but just going into this just completely pure and cold was so wonderful and when it ended i was just like wow <laughs> and i immediately thought like um I wanted to like know more about why she wanted to make this film and stuff which we can talk about more um but uh yeah I also it felt appropriate to pick it kind of right now because um she cites Miyazaki as a direct influence uh on this film and uh there's actually a great quote from um the great marker mode uh on BBC no more off to seek his fortune in, in the podcast land. Uh, in his review, he gave it five stars. Um, with Petite Maman, she proves herself a maestro of the modern fable, conjuring a used certificate treat that goes straight into my lists of the greatest films ever made for children of all ages. What would Miyazaki do was apparently Skiyama's creative mantra, and you can feel the timeless energy of Studio Ghibli's finest features haunting her creative decisions. <sighs> like that, that's just perfect. Um... As you hear in the, uh, as you're reading out the crew list there, uh, she tends to work with a lot of women. And uh, one person who she's worked with multiple times is, uh, is her uh, cinematographer, um, Clara Mathon, I think, um, who also had uh, the other film that she had that came out in 2000, <laughs> so I say 2021. That's the second time I've said that in two days. What is wrong with me? Uh, in 2021 was um, Spencer, which is, have you seen Spencer? And not yet, which is, well, like, I, I don't know, like, I have a tendency to just leave a lot of things behind and then just binge wait. them <laughs> whenever wait, I feel too guilty for leaving them. Yeah. Or, yeah, or wait to, <laughs> for you to take them. Um, I would highly recommend it. It is 
uh, I find it very annoying that uh, she didn't win Best Actress because genuinely she disappeared into that role and it is absolutely fabulous. But um, it's also, and like the soundtrack is amazing, all that. But uh, visually, it's stunning. It really is. And um, uh, so the cinematographer, she also did um, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, obviously, but also uh, Stranger by the Lake. So another podcast movie that we've done. Um, There's something actually, when I was watching it yesterday... I, I was thinking about like um, Yorgos Lanthimos for some reason, like his early films, um, like particularly like Dogtooth and something. There, there, there's something in like the colors and the production design of that film. And because that film obviously has a lot of touch of like surrealism to it as well. Like obviously not thematically, they're very different movies. But I don't know, there's something about the, the colors, sort of pastel shades of all the walls in the houses and the way the houses are laid out and stuff and stuff um and obviously this is a movie that takes place almost entirely within one very small location um partially due to the pandemic i think but uh that, i don't think it has a, a negative impact on this film whatsoever um i feel like it uh it's been a while since we did something that was well maybe a thor to a certain extent but uh we did a movie that was sort of tinged with the theme of like like fairy tales and fables and stuff um and there's a great quote from her um saying uh, my films are always about a few days my films are always about a few days out of the world and i was like that is that is spot on because <laughs> there's something even watching portrait of a lady on fire it feels otherworldly not just because it's a period drama but because she she creates these very like insular little perfect worlds of like that are so like they wrap you up it's like soothing or something to watch them in this film despite obviously having a lot of very like emotional um and heart-wrenching at certain points uh themes to it it's also like i mean there's just something incredibly special about watching um just the two girls making crepes <laughs> that scene is like oh oh my god like just so pure um uh yeah like it's <laughs> it's funny um uh for such a like sweet sweet film in, in a way like people i've seen people describe it as like a sweet movie or you know a small movie it's a small movie and like it is it's a short film you know not a lot necessarily happens or whatever but like it's i i don't i don't want this movie expanded i, I kind of love it for for the the sort of the lens that she uses like what she decides to focus on and what she doesn't um but yeah it really does pack some real gut punches um uh like whenever her mom is talking her in and she's like why do you always want to start a conversation now and she's like because this is when i see you it's like oh man that says so much without like you know and you get the feeling that you know there's like an emotional distance between them um there uh there's a really good interview actually there's there's a few really good interviews with her she seems to be a very good interviewee as in like she'll just like sit and talk to you about anything and is very open about talking about anything and her work and everything um but there's a great one in the guardian actually with uh zan brooks um where she kind of she sort of says it but sort of subtly alludes to the fact that she doesn't she's not very close with her own mother um as she talks about how the tragedy of of the ch children and and the parent relationship is that you don't really understand them properly until you yourself as an, are an adult and the gulf that can develop in those intervening years is like kind of a tragedy in a way so it you can see how this film was a way for her to imagine how 
you could come together at the same time, you know, when like it's oh, it's I really love it. Um, yes, like obviously there's a film about um like relationships and and the gulfs that can develop, not not even intentionally, just over you know life and time and everything that can happen within a family. Um, but uh, you know, obviously between parent and child, but also between a couple, which I find really interesting. Like I noticed that a lot more watching it this time. That there are a lot of little moments between the parents um that say a lot like whenever they have very few physical interactions they like very awkwardly hug whenever they're leaving the care home and it's perfect um and then she makes one rather snide comment about him in the kitchen and there's something about Skiyama's male characters where they are sort of feckless and <laughs> feel sort of out of place in a way you know what I mean that they're sort of superfluous in this universe like her dad clearly nice man but like is just sort of ill-equipped really to deal with the situation and you know and I, the fact that like that that's done in such a subtle way I find really really interesting um yeah like the dad he just is like an air of crapness <laughs> shaved I remember me and Claire were just like oh <laughs> don't ever shave <laughs> oh man um yeah the uh the tone of the film actually uh made me think a lot of um the spirit of the beehive actually which we did before as well um because there's I really, really love films that uh um delve into female relationships in such a kind of a natural way as this but like cross generations of, of female relationships as well as like you know you get a lot of what her relationship with her grandmother was like even though you never see the grandmother and there's like all these layers to it but even just Correction, like you do actually see the grandmother oh <laughs> yes <laughs> the alcohol and the cane it's like oh so good i love the reveal i think the reveal is great like we could talk about the pacing of when she reveals it and everything but i think the way she uses what is effectively a device i think is actually really good um but uh, I have something about how she uh, she shows what like an eight year old girl is like, where she's like very capable, very like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just it's fascinating because at that at that age where like they are so, you know, they wear they wear pants all the time. They're not like, you know, they're, they're they hasn't really been like, you know, feminized in this way. She's just like practical and like running around the forest and everything and like obviously it goes without saying that there are not enough uh not enough movies coming of age movies I suppose or, or just movies about childhood in general that look specifically at like girls basically we've already talked about girlhood and um of kind of what girls are actually really like outside of the kind of like movie ideal of them you know what I mean so um yeah it's just I, I love it I love them hanging out I love them playing their like weird Cluedo game like what, what is the game they're playing it's like do they have a script for it I was like that's so nuts I want to play that um yeah so uh I don't want to ramble on here too for too long but um uh I really love this film and I, it really like um sort of lingered in my head long after I had watched it for something that is is quite small um and uh yeah I thought it would be a nice little piece of escapism while also feeling like a very emotional slap in the face so <laughs> god the word slap is it's 
really been ruined. Uh, yeah, so Ricardo, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Petite Maman? Well, first of all, I went into this movie kind of uh, cold. Uh, as in, I knew it was Celine Schiama, I knew it was a short movie, and I knew that it was about two girls. But I did quite laugh whenever uh, the father talks about uh, the mom creating a a tree house, quote unquote, in the mm -hmm. woods whenever she was a kid, and then whenever uh, the the little girl goes into the woods and finds the other little girl and she's building a tree house, I went, ah, she is a petite mama. That <laughs> 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 in a way I didn't catch the twist. I wish that the title of the movie was different because then it'd yeah. be a little bit longer before you understand what's going on the for the magical realism to kick in i know it's like it's kind of obvious the fact that they're twin sisters playing the two yeah, characters they're very so similar they're, yeah exactly but they're different enough that you're like are they twins or not for a second such you know such good casting oh my god i love those two actresses they were so good so you're kind of in this universe for 72 minutes. You're, you come in and you come out. It's very effective in its, uh, in its uh, uh, absolute uh, commitment to economy to in every sense of the wor word. Uh, it uses economy in the screenwriting, in the performances, in the production design and everything like it's fairly clever to use the same location but just change the wallpapers so you know which location you're kind of in like what yeah. time frame you're on uh, i like that they never fucking explain exactly what's going on but also that it's not a figment of her imagination that both sides Is of the, the universe <laughs> sorry we can get, we can get into that because i think that you could po you could definitely posit a theory that maybe it is in her imagination but well, like, but the movie, like, I, I don't think it does quite like the fucking Sixth Sense kind of job. That, <laughs> um, <laughs> did, did, did you, um, did you see the tweet from your on the road Dairy Girls about Sixth Sense? Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. What do you call her? Uh, McGee? Is that what's her name? Uh, about her friend who the character who, of Orla is based on. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> like for anyone else listening, is the like the characters meant to be one is these people that are quite smart but has the like weirdest viewpoints ever in the world. Ditsy, <laughs> ditsy, yeah. And they watch the Sixth Sense, and at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, I get it. Bruce Willis was the kid. <laughs> um, Which is a wonderful interpretation. But I don't think that this movie goes as far as doing that, that you're like, oh, they don't talk to each other or whatever. I think both, in both timelines, the the children, uh, they are acknowledged by the, by the parent, let's say. Mm. So you could say, you know, if you want, you can fucking put a board up and fucking prove anything is anything, you know, like fucking... JFK was shot by an elephant, you know. Who knows? Like, it was an owl. Was it was an owl. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, yeah, so I, I just wish that the, um, in a way that the title was slightly different because I also quite laughed because of the idea. You know, whenever you're watching a movie that is 
you know, if it was called Almost Famous and then somebody just, if in Almost Famous somebody went, this band is almost famous, you kind of laugh. <laughs> because you clearly see, think that they didn't uh, come up with a title until, but it's not that they say it, it just, even before you have an emotional reaction to it. Uh, yeah. I even ruined the movie for Alex because I just went, she's a petite mama. <laughs> what an asshole oh my god yeah uh, i have a tendency of uh of doing that like uh we were watching death in denial yesterday which i highly do not recommend <laughs> why were you doing that is that the one with, the one with army hammer where they had to try and cut army hammer out of the trailer <laughs> yeah but like you should have been cut from the movie and uh just before fucking uh what's her face um gal gadot gets killed in it I was like, I didn't know that it was Gal Gadot. I don't care ruining this movie. Anybody that like, if this forces one right less person to watch it, I've done my duty. <laughs> um, whenever uh, I didn't know it was Gal Gadot that would be the victim, let's say, because I hadn't read the book or seen another ver- adaptation of Death in the Nile. So whenever it's kind of clear that she's the person that died, I was like, oh, please be her. Please be her so we don't have to see her acting anymore. Please. Like, it's the opposite of this, you know, like, th- <laughs> this movie 72 minutes, like, it flows, everything works. Well, that movie doesn't, I can't even, rem- oh, yes, because we were watching that, that <laughs> I forgot why I mentioned that in, uh, besides my trauma. <laughs> it was, there's a moment in it that I was like, oh, okay, this is a massive clue. Because the movie kind of stops to say something. And then I turn to Alex and I go, I have a theory. And she goes, shut up, because there's no other reasons to watch this movie like besides <laughs> that I don't know mystery. what's going on. The supposed mystery, but even the mystery makes absolutely no sense. And But this is not a podcast about death and denial. <laughs> this is a podcast about Petite Mama. Yeah, like I li- like everything from the production design and everything um, was very spot on. I did like also how it is very much real how um, grandparents will renew their houses, but it will still fucking be stuck in the past. But it's <laughs> like, you know, you change the wallpaper because it got old and you just put another old, like a brand new wallpaper that just looks old because <laughs> you have a fashion sense from like 50 years ago (laughs) yeah i did love as well whenever um uh she opens the uh the cupboard and takes out like the biscuit tin full of like buttons and shit and i was like everybody used to have that every Every single house yeah it's always those little fucking biscuit tins as well (laughs) i reckon that there's like a family in nepal in the mountains and they have a fucking biscuit tin like that like it's universal everybody has them (laughs) absolutely oh my god yeah and i I, I really like that that cupboard as well because of the like in a plot sense that immediately you know that it's the same house because uh uh, she's able to yeah and it's like a hidden compartment which is kind of scary as well like this movie is kind of a ghost story in a way but um, no not scary itself but haunted but I think that like the yeah because it's like the ghost of a relationship, the ghost of the uh, the grandmother in a way, and how 
generational traumas flow through uh, family to family. The, you can tell that not only her mom had health issues, there's also this kind of fear for health because of how her grandma, like her mom, was always ill as well. That even though she died at, at a young age, it was not expected that she would get that far, let's say. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very clever, uh, a very well portrayed. There's the um, description about like relationships, both like how it works with parents, but also with um, like romantic relationships that you're like basically sound waves and every so often you sync together and sometimes you just uh, go out of tune. And whenever you're out of tune, sometimes it's just barely so you don't even notice or it's it is noticeable, but you know that you'll get in tune again, uh, that you'll like match up on tempo or whatever. Like it might be that you have different, uh, different siblings and stuff, but it could be that you, you become the backing vocals and somebody's the, the the main vocals, and then later on you swap roles and stuff. That you you can work together to create a piece of music but every so but every so often beautiful (laughs) but every so often you you just go out of sync completely and some relationships never get back in sync and it's just very strange to know why because you don't know why you went out of sync it's almost uh, and the more you're trying to correct to go back into sync the more out of sync you get sometimes and Part of it, I think, is that the movie makes a point of the, even whenever people are like eight or whatever, is that kids become their own people mm. and they need to, like, they want to know things. They're, you're not just there to, like, provide the, anymore. Like, it's yeah. just the interest that, like, the she had, the, the little girl has on her mom's life and her past because she doesn't know how to relate and it's very um very important to do that especially when it's uh, only child mm. because their understanding of the world comes from their interactions with you more than anything else like they can have like a active imagination and create worlds for themselves there's a very valid reason why many writers and many artists are only kids only, only childs because they they're kind of forced to internalize their their entertainment even just to to have fun by themselves which i mm. really enjoyed like that that scene whenever she goes with the the paddle <laughs> and uh that lasts for like two seconds but she says like she goes over to her dad she's like what's this and he's like oh it's a paddle ball and she's like oh you can play it by yourself perfect <laughs> it's like <laughs> Uh, yeah but at the um, same time like i i kind of disagree the the way of the feckless guy no, thing it, not feckless it's not that he's like a useless parent or anything just like i, I don't know he has a sort of a <laughs> like that he's almost kind of afraid of her or something you know what i mean i think it's more that he knows in a way that she needs the space because it's very uh well hinted that he knows her from when they were children so mm. i think he has a shorthand with her that 
like even the way that he is the uh, the maternal one in the relationship almost like if, if he had swapped the relationship it'd just be like a fucking normal hollywood kind of movie you know that is like the distant dad that is like professional minded then they leave and then the mom stays with the kids looking after her or whatever yeah so i think it, it makes a it also like in a way refreshingly shows how you don't have to be the man to have the maternal role in a relationship if you want to like i think it's incorrect even to sexualize it to that level let's say but even like culturally speaking i don't know i don't have the vocabulary to not to to not you know because if i say maternal role you know exactly what i mean even though it shouldn't be just uh, (laughs) related to the the nourishing role maybe it's the the correct yeah yeah or like the emotional role maybe yeah like yeah he's willing even to shave his beard and look absolutely fucking awful oh my god for uh his daughter and I was like, Indeed. I thought whenever she clearly has never seen him shaved because <laughs> she keeps asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the, the casting director didn't see his face shaved before they went for it. <laughs> because I haven't shaved, like I haven't had a, a, a clean face in maybe fucking five, six years. Yeah, probably Maybe more that. like something like that. And I think that if I shaved in like the only time that i kind of shaved i left the mustache which was kind of even weirder but yeah like uh, this movie does a good job of also like flashing like it's surprisingly dense for a movie that really has one location the cast is what like five people for the entire movie yeah and like everybody feels like a character runs for 72 minutes i think that like any extra time would be like just flab and i'm glad that it's 72 minutes um it doesn't feel quite lightweight but i have to say that like some reviews post this movie as like the same level portrait of a lady on fire and i think that it is Mm -hmm a good movie and uh, like a very good movie and very personal movie and i think that they're like it's flawless for what it's trying to do let's say so i don't want it to do anything else but at the same time and there's a complete room and place for these kind of movies and a place that i adore and i want them uh hope they keep making these kind of personal little movies but at the same time sometimes like it's it doesn't have it, yeah. like the same impact as a movie like portrait lady on fire or even girlhood that uh, i think girlhood is way more flawed than this movie but i think that it is in a way also flawed i think the schema has a very good handle on the the actual life of her movies so in a mm. way the flaws of her mo- of each movie reflects the actual movie itself in a way that is like you know girlhood is a little bit shaggy and and whenever like, the characters that is following <laughs> are kind of uh, uh disorientated and uh kind of wild and stuff so like the movie it's good that the movie does it that way like i suppose that you can argue that could be tightened and all those things but i prefer patima man to girlhood altogether but i think portrait of a lady of fire 
Yeah. It's on another layer. Um, yeah, I think I agree with that as well. Like, because when I watched this, I was really like, oh, whoa. You know, but like when I watched Portrait of Millennium on Fire, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like knocked the socks off me. It really, it like, oh man, actually it, I had that a very similar feeling this weekend when I watched First Cow, which also blew the fucking socks off me. Oh, it's such that. a good movie. It's such oh a, it's such God, a stressful it. watch though. Oh my God, it's so stressful. Every time they go to the cow and just, <laughs> but like, oh my God, what, like, it's perfect ending as well like it just oh my god fucking oily cakes uh i'm so annoyed you've watched it i would love to do it for the podcast it's such a good movie um but yeah you know just like a movie when you're like oh that really felt like just something different like someone did something really interesting there and like the whole thing really worked um yeah just thinking about how like i feel like she always has sort of like a moment within her movies that are like layered around some kind of music thing because even like when you look at like with the the sort of chanting that happens around the fire the fire and portrait of a lady on fire and uh the um the dancing to rihanna and girlhood and then in this there's like the when the music gets used in this it's really really good when she's like modern music and they like go out into the the forest um or no they don't go to the forest sorry they go out on the little boat because um this laugh is so hard about how like I know it's a lake, so it's like safer and whatnot, but um we we had a little dingy oh, I had a like little that. panic attack watching that scene, especially because one the 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 sister like uh, referring to the actress is the sister that was with the single paddle clearly didn't know that you have to go one side and then the other. And in real <laughs> life they'd be just fucking going around in circles. <laughs> So I kind of had a mild panic attack that they were going to drown or something. Obviously, knowing that there's like a safety crew there and they're probably getting towed, you know, like it's not like they, they just left them to their own devices. <laughs> but if it happened in real life and uh, if I had kids and my kids did that when they're eight years old, I I don't know what I do, but it certainly would be, um, I don't know, every time that I saw a fucking boat, I'd be like... <laughs> deflating it with a like carry a little knife to start like stabbing any boats just in case near we had one that was like a little bit bigger than that one and uh anytime we went out my dad would stand on the beach with a rope attached to it so they couldn't go very far so it'd be like me and claire and like claire would be like a teenager at this point like but then dad would be like nope he just stand there the whole time we would never be let out like because i don't think we didn't have life jackets or anything like so there was no like um that's great though i love that boat because you could like go right near the rocks and see all the crabs and stuff it's really cool but, that's uh, the good thing of being next to the to the ocean i have to say like that i haven't mentioned the performances of the uh, of the two girls i think that there's only two ways of um kids performances not ruining a movie for me mm-hmm <laughs> One is like this, that the, the entire movie is built to facilitate those two performances. So even if you compare the cinematography, like I still think that this movie is well shot and beautiful to look at and stuff. But it's clearly like less designed to be good looking and more designed to just have everything in focus. So the, the, the girls don't have to worry about hitting marks, don't need yeah. to fucking, they can be themselves, do long takes, all these things that help the performances be as natural as possible. It's clearly also a very good decision to cast uh, 
two sisters that are clearly close to each other. So it, it facilitates that you're just the the idea of oh you're just playing around or whatever, just pretend. And I wonder how much they knew what context the movie was set. You know, like if they knew that she kind of knows that it's her mom or not. Like, um, I don't yeah. know. It's it's funny because like Nelly. Like when she runs back, like the first time when she goes into the other house and she runs back because she's like freaked. And like at that point, John hadn't worked out what was going on. So he was like, why is she so scared? I was like, just keep watching. (laughs) But I think she does like a really good job of being like sort of freaked out, but also very curious as to what is actually going on and kind of like going along with the situation to see... You know what I mean? Like, even though she's clearly suspicious as to what the hell is going on to the point at which she eventually tells her that, like, I'm your daughter, basically. But um, I think her little face is so good. And, like, there's a lot of times when you can, like, hear her breathing and stuff. And it's like she's, like, processing, you know, and like, oh, it's so good. Great kids. Yeah, like, in the, I think the, the, the only other option is to just fucking hit the lottery and get like a Christian bill or the girl that plays Kiki in Station Eleven. Oh my god, so good, yeah. They are able to just actually motherfucking act. You know, they're not <laughs> uh they're not kids acting. They're acting, they're putting layers upon layers in the performance. You know, yeah. there's a scene in Station Eleven that is just the girl saying goodbye. And it's not just that she does it in a cool way. It's that you know that she's doing it because she thinks it's a cool way. Because she wants to impress Arthur. You know, like, you can see it. In the, like, everything has uh, a position in the performance, let's say. And she's meant to be playing the same age as these girls. But you can tell that these girls are actually eight years old. And the girl playing Kiki is about ten or eleven yeah, because um, there's a li- there's just a difference. I don't know what it is in like, because even like they're obviously very capable and stuff, but there's something in how they move and everything when they're like lifting things that are too heavy for them and stuff. They still seem very childish in in some ways. Yeah, they run very funny. Like, yeah, uh, I I do appreciate <laughs> the the way that they they, they run. Uh, uh, also, because it's they a, kind of like. Like just sort of you're not really like trying to direct your body you're just kind of running like this yeah you kind of forget how like uncoordinated children are you think of like (laughs) you know you know that babies are uncoordinated but then you look at like at a a child that is like 10 years old or like nine (laughs) and they're like still kind of like walking like a fucking sea star or something (laughs) sea star like maggie from the starfish yeah that's the one (laughs) Sea star. In Spanish, it's sea star. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um. But, I, but yeah, like uh, not to 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 point attention, but always, it was always like a good bit of a terrible man. That like there's a Louis C.K. bit that he's like, I know how uh, Hollywood works. So every time I see a kid on the screen, I find it really hilarious because. You'd be watching like Schindler's List and there's a kid fucking shouting obscenities at like Jewish people leaving the the ghetto. And you know that they had to cast that girl. So there'd be like fucking 
tape somewhere <laughs> with like loads yeah. of kids and then there'll be like one kid that is like i'm the drama person whatever and the mom is like uh she's like in third level ballet and all these things i take her to everything and then it's like start screaming like an evil person afterwards you know like it's kind of weird but movie like i watched recently um quiet place the first one yeah the first one and I'd say that the movie is kind of almost, if not completely ruined, like not just because the the, the premise is great, but like the exe- like it leaves so many questions in total. It's like, where did they get so much sand? <laughs> um, what does what happens when the wind blows or it gets a bit wet and the sand go? Do you have to like use all the sand to like go from the farm to the town every time it rains? Have you seen it? I love how many questions you have just specifically about the sand. Uh, yes, I have seen it. But the kids in that movie, like both they're written to be absolute idiots, but they, their performances are such, like even though they're not that young, they're very, I'm a kid in the movie. Yeah, the wee boy is really annoying. Yeah. And not in a relatable way, just in an annoying way. Well, I kind of like, I was glad that the, the really young kid gets killed really early because he was not a very good actor. And uh, like, not in real life, I don't want, like, I don't wish him any harm or anything. But like in the movie, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm glad you're gone, buddy. <laughs> you can have a bad performance and still have a great career. Like, yeah. And then at the same time, you can have like a career like Edward Forlong or like the the two the two actors there in The Lost Boys that their career kind of derailed, partly for other reasons as well. Um, Hollywood reasons, disgusting Hollywood reasons. The two oh, Corys, yeah. Corey Hain and Corey, oh, the other guy. Oh shit! Yeah. So it's like you can have like really good child actors, and then they don't they're not able to to get a career because of whatever so not criticizing child i think it's a very difficult thing as well like they're like i think that you know you fucking if you're a great child actor and have a career afterwards you turn up with like turn out with somebody like christian bell the by all accounts is like <laughs> that's what i'll say so my lawyers don't bring me <laughs> lawyers <laughs> yeah you lead a crazy life Ricardo. thank you uh do you have any final comments before we go to favorite things no like uh, i i i really like the movie and i think it's a weird movie in so many ways because I don't want to say that it's a slight movie, but it's also not a movie with... uh, Like, it has a lot of depth and weight to it, but at the same time, it doesn't feel that way. You know, it's a a hard movie to to place, and I, I suppose why it probably, like... You know, it's a movie that I think it's perfect for, like, the festival circuit, that you're watching maybe two three movies uh, a day or something and you watch this in between or like at the end or in the beginning anywhere in the festival that you're watching more than one movie a day would have been like a fucking amazing palate cleanser but also yes. something new to watch something that doesn't take itself 
so seriously the every shot the music is like oh my god look at me look at mm -hmm. me it's a movie that is very confident i think more than anything else and it's clearly a movie of a director that has spent a long time creating um a voice that she's completely confident in now so she doesn't have to flex she's able to just you know it feels like if serena williams started playing tennis against me it's not like she has to do anything you know <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I think I think you're right about the the, the confidence thing. And like um, you feel very safe in her hands, I think. Um, and it's interesting as well, because like she obviously when she started, she was kind of like no one is like, you know, the queer director, like as in that, like she was making a lot of like, um, you know, like um, uh, Tomboy and uh, what floating? No, Water Lilies, Water Lilies, I think. Um, but she didn't like get boxed in by that at all she kind of because like that can definitely happen to people when you you know you kind of like get put into like one particular genre and stuff but she's able to kind of like you know like they're all very different films that's what's so interesting about it you know like when you compare the, even the three that we've done it's they're you know like they have a lot of shared themes and stuff but like they're very different movies and i, I find that very interesting that she's able to like you know adapt to like all these different stories and like really make a movie that serves the story as well um but yeah she's just so fucking cool as well like when you um uh when you read interviews with her like she just seems like a very like chill person as well like that she's you know really curious about all the, the work she's doing like she says that she like loves tiktok and loves like <laughs> just like loves the internet in general like she just seems like an absolute legend i was like i would love to have a pint with that woman like oh my god between her and like uh kelly reichert oh my god that would be my dream date anywho um what was your favorite thing <laughs> i think it's the 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 two little girls i think that this movie would be hugely annoying <laughs> if not like I do have to say also that I like how French this movie is. It's possibly like oh, the Frenchest yes. thing that has ever yeah. existed. Like you know, even if Americans made a fucking American remake, it had to be in French because it is the the Frenchest thing. No, they would set it in like Portland or somewhere, and it'd be like. <laughs> yeah, I wish that they set in Portland, and then they just fucking bump into Nicolas Cage with his fucking truffle pig <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> it's the oh. sequel. That is the crossover that I didn't know I needed, but no, I really do. Holy crap! But yeah, like uh, I, I really like the. Um, their performance is very naturalistic and also, like I said, I don't know if they did a Steven Spielberg kind of job or that it's kind of <clears throat> making them understand what they're supposed, like getting them to do the reaction that they need to do rather than, I don't know if they were given, like, say these lines, but they mean these things or whatever, or just run. I don't know how much context they were given and stuff because but at the same time it feels written which is the weird thing it doesn't feel that it's just off the cuff because obviously it has mm. um, a very specific a consistency meaning. to it I think as well like it feels less yeah 
like obviously they they probably like workshopped it quite a lot in the sense of like how would you say it rather than like memorize it and stuff mm-hmm. like whenever they're doing the crepes uh, like i bet that they're just wrecking the gaff by themselves rather than anything else yeah that felt really natural like like when she flips it it just like lands in like the sink or something like <laughs> They're laughing. Oh, they're so cute. So I suppose it's also like the thing of having that freedom that probably like if you're in your own house or being supervised by your own parents to have to clean up after you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite the same as like when you're on this movie set and, you know, you've been given permission to like mess around. <laughs> exactly. Like the one of the, the, the I think the main reason I don't have kids is because I've seen too many TV shows and movies that show kids baking and it just looks <laughs> too much of a mess to clean up afterwards and they're covered in flour the whole house is covered in flour well it's yeah, your favorite I, thing sorry i do find it kind of stressful whenever people like go crazy and trash a room or something in a movie or a tv show because i'm like who's gonna tidy that up like <laughs> Um, well, like I'm near in the position now that if I had a house party and it was too messy the next day, I might just burn the gaff down, uh, <laughs> start again somewhere else. Oh, uh, my favorite thing I think is uh, Celine Sciamma, um, because she's given me a lot of really great movies, or me specifically, uh, a lot of really great movies, and. Um, yeah, I, I both fear her because she's, like, so amazing, but also, like, look up to her because she doesn't take any shit and uh, makes these incredibly personal movies. And, um, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, obviously, Portrait of Lady on Fire did so well. That really kind of catapulted her into the sort of um, indie mainstream, I suppose. Um But, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm so, because she's only, like, 43 or something. Like, she's still quite young considering how many films she's made um which just shows you the difference between like trying to make movies in america and making movies in france but um not that france obviously doesn't also have the uh the same level of like sexism and to extra hurdles for women trying to get into the industry but um uh yeah i uh i really really love her um if you were if you were forced uh what would you say is your least favorite thing it's probably I don't know like it could be as nitpicky as saying that the title even though the title is very apt because it is about petite maman um, yeah I guess it didn't bother me that much but I mean yeah but it, it's kind of like especially when you I don't know like I don't know about all the other reviews and all the other uh, synopsis but i came kind of cold let's say to the movie mm-hmm. i think whenever I, uh, I've, I've got to the point that i kind of know critics now so if it is a movie like this that i know the director and i know the critics and it's getting good reviews i tend not to read much about it afterwards so it can surprise me to a certain degree mm. i don't know like because like i said everything that it is you could say is a flaw even though it's not technically a flaw it's completely linked to the structure of the movie so you could say that the movie is not like as substantial or life-changing as lady on fire but why do you need every movie to be like that this was 
a very very enjoyable but also eye-opening movie you know it's uh mm. you know it would have been a very average movie at 90 minutes but it's a very good movie at 72 minutes and it's Ooh, so rare to see 70 very, uh, a 72 minutes movie very accurate yeah 72 is crazy because like maybe like 80 sure 85 yeah but like 72 is nothing yeah so you short. only get away with it after making a movie like portrait of a lady on fire uh, <laughs> because you know like if fucking anybody else shows up to the studio i've made pretty much like two-thirds of a movie <laughs> you know like in length most and people you were going to distribute it my friend yeah <laughs> but yeah like i think uh, fucking just a nitpick is the the title because it just took me considered that like the movie is only 72 minutes and it's like 10 minutes in that it happens but really the reveal of what's going on is 10 minutes after which is like about one third of the movie mm. through that i think that i i wasn't able to get the the reveal of the movie but at the same time it is an accurate title so it's kind of hard i do like that it wasn't translated as well mm. like i think like little mom would be a terrible title for a movie you know little mom sounds like a fucking comedy of the 80s or something that like a 16 year old kid has to adopt like 12 children or something <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, you know you can. Uh, oh, I can hear the soundtrack like, like. <laughs> oh, They're like the trailers, like the last thing that uh, the fucking uh, uh, Magdalene expected was <laughs> Magdalene. <laughs> and she's there, like playing this soccer summer, or something. The family-friendly movie. Yeah, she becomes like a, a soccer coach or something to like they they go to state or something, going to nationals or whatever the fuck they do. What was your least favorite thing? Uh I <laughs> I think it's the bit whenever he shaves his beard off. <laughs> Even though I like it as a little little plot moment because I think it's cute. And like her putting the like the brushing the stuff onto his face is so cute as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, holy god, what <laughs> I was like, put it back on, put it back on. I also thought that he was gonna shave with like a proper like fucking throw cutter kind of thing rather than yeah. uh, like this fucking twenty year old big fucking disposable. Yeah, it sounded no, so like it um, didn't explain why they have it there because clearly the father was already gone whenever. Mm, there's a real absence actually of the grandfather, um, which is kind of interesting as well. Uh, anyways, yeah, so that was a uh, petite maman, uh, an episode that I think is. <laughs> have we broken the uh, <laughs> 72 minutes? I think we have. Um, so if you want to go back and uh, listen to our uh, Celine Skiama. Uh, back catalog i might make a playlist specifically for her uh where can they find us ricardo they can find us on facebook at the rack game they can find us on twitter no sorry they can find us on facebook at the recommendation game they can find us on twitter at the rack game the recommendation game at gmail.com is our email our back episodes are on spotify your podcast are a choice in the dublin digital radio mix cloud and we're on every second monday on dublin digital radio 11 to 12 Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. It is indeed. Ricardo, what are you picking? The Invisible Life of Urujisi Guzman. 
Is that the one I was looking up? Was that the Brazilian one? Yeah, uh, I just pronounced her name in Portuguese. Very cool. Have we done a Brazilian film? I don't think so. I think we only done Argentinian movies. Yeah, weirdly. Yes, okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. We're on another um, foreign language spree. Yes. The best kind of spree. <laughs> Alrighty, well, until then, I was Orly Magnus. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks, though.